and welcome to Pandemic Mama, the podcast that brings you honest conversations about having a baby during COVID-19 times. I'm Irina Gonzalez, a journalist, new mom, and your host. This is episode 27, and today I'm talking with Kelly Fitzgerald-Hunko. She is a writer and the blogger behind The Sober Senorita, and a new mom. In fact, you might remember her from episode four of Pandemic Mama, when we talked about all of the different kinds of anxiety that she was feeling during her current pregnancy. Well, Kelly has now had her baby and has graced us with a return visit to talk about her birth story, figuring out breastfeeding, and the many forms of grief that she's dealing with today, plus how she's figuring out her postpartum body after being an athlete for the past several years. So stay tuned after the break. But first, if you want to connect with fellow parents going through the craziness of having a baby in 2020 and 2021, please join the Pandemic Mama Podcast Facebook group by searching for Pandemic Mama Podcast or heading to facebook.com slash groups slash Pandemic Mama Pod. Thank you. everyone. I'm here with Kelly Fitzgerald-Hunko. She is a writer and the blogger behind The Sober Senorita, which is her blog about getting sober, gosh, I want to say seven years ago now? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Seven and a half. Yeah. Oh, man. Congrats. Um, (laughs) And of course, she is also a new mom who you might actually remember from episode four of the Pandemic Mama podcast, where we talked about her pregnancy anxiety and just like all kinds of stuff. She had just come from her 20-week ultrasound. So, Kelly, I would love to start off with a little recap of, you know, what happened this time last year, um, around this time when the pandemic started, and then just a little bit about your early pregnancy days for those folks who maybe haven't listened to episode four or don't, you know, don't remember exactly what we chatted about. Sure. Thank you so much for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Can't believe it's like been so long that I have a little baby now. Who's two months old. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, this time last year uh, was the start of like everything shutting down. And for me, I wasn't pregnant yet, but I was about mm-hmm. to be. Um, but we were on our TTC journey. Um, and I mean, it was stressful because I had been already stressed about getting pregnant. Um, and because I had a previous miscarriage as well, which we chatted about, I think, in our last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the pandemic obviously just brought new stress. Like this was back obviously in the beginning when no one knew how bad it was going to be and how long we were going to be shut down and what that meant. And, you know, it was just high anxiety for everybody. And, um, for me in particular, when everything started to shut down, I had just gone to Europe too. (laughs) So, and everyone was like, that's the epicenter. And, oh my gosh, I remember like having just high anxiety for like, 14 days mm-hmm. thinking like I might have COVID and not know it, but luckily I did not. Um, but yeah. And then I found out in May I was pregnant and yeah. And then we um, chatted in around October, I think. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when I was in the early days of pregnancy were high anxiety for sure. I have to say like thinking about that right now, like I think my anxiety has dissipated a lot, which is great. Um, And I know that's not the case for everybody, but I think my anxiety really stemmed from carrying the baby and making sure everything was okay with him. And it was really hard for me to not know like what was going on with him, like all the time inside, because, you know, you just never know what's really going on in there. And like, even the ultrasounds that I got would only ever be like a momentary, like sigh of relief 
And then I would go back to worrying <laughs> that like something was wrong or, or whatever. It, and it was like, I think you're the one who told me that you'll never really feel like completely secure. Cause I was always in the beginning mm. thinking, Oh, well, when we get to 12 weeks, I'll be fine. And we get like the genetic testing back or I'll, I'll be fine when we get to 20 weeks when we get the anatomy scan. And, um, no, and you were, you were completely right. <laughs> I was anxious <laughs> pretty much the whole time. Um, and towards the end of my pregnancy, especially, uh, I just felt like my baby didn't move very much. Like mm-hmm. he was moving every day. Like they tell you that they should be. Um, but he wasn't like everyone always makes references that you hear like, Oh, my baby's like a little dancer. They're moving all around. They're like mm-hmm. going crazy in there. And I just, I guess I expected something along those lines and for it to be like that. And it really wasn't. Um, and so I was getting even more anxious towards the end because obviously they get bigger and there's less room for them. So even at the end, they're not moving around a ton, but he just wasn't a big mover. And I, so that always made me even more nervous. And then, so when I gave birth, the doctor um, that was there with me that day and delivered my baby told me that um, he had asked me, Oh, did you feel your baby moving a lot during your pregnancy? Like right after he, he was born. And I was like, actually not, not too much, like not as much as a lot of people. Um, and he said, Oh, that's because the umbilical cord was really short. And I thought, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So I, I was huh. thinking all this time there was a, there was actually like a reason for it. So that kind of made me feel justified and a little bit in my anxiety. <laughs> But, but yeah, that was just like one interesting fact that happened. But, but yeah, wow. I think in um, our last episode, we talked about my baby shower and mm-hmm. how I was like having struggling, figuring out how to plan that. So I ended up having that um, mm-hmm. in a socially distant way. And a lot of people wore masks and we had people come in shifts and it was really nice. So I'm really glad that I could pull that off um, in a safe way. But that was definitely like a pandemic mama moment for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, this is probably no secret, but we know each other in real life. So I was <laughs> lucky enough to be able to come to the baby shower. And I just thought it was really lovely. You know, everything that you were able to do with like, um, you know, like the individually wrapped food and like the distance tables. Um and just like all that kind of thing. And, and yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Um, and certainly more fun yeah. than like drive-by showers, which I know right. a lot of people have had to rely on and it's, it's really hard. I mean, all right. this is really hard. Yeah. I kind of wanted like a hybrid of that. So I'm really glad we were able to like make it happen. And my sister did a lot of the planning, um, and all the decor that went into it and stuff. And I mean, we were really thoughtful with like, how can we serve food that like makes sense and isn't like Mm -hmm. everyone's putting their hands and stuff and, you know, just safe. So. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you had like individually wrapped cookies and cupcakes. So it was like easy to just kind of take what you wanted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, to be honest, it's kind of lovely to see that, you know, some people are able to make it work, you know, right. Like, make the best of a bad situation. Right. Right. Exactly. It's interesting. I mean, it'll definitely be like a story I'm sure I'll tell forever. Yeah. Um, Remember that pandemic in 2020 (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I'm sure I'll tell my baby about it. Mm -hmm. He'll be like, like, stop telling that story, mom. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, all of these babies, like they were just born into this time. Like there's no way they're yeah. not going to learn about it from yeah. their parents and history books and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And actually Fur and I were saying um, that we kind of feel lucky that, you know, he was born on kind of the tail end of the pandemic while well, it's winding down now, obviously it's still going on, but mm-hmm. um, the vaccines being rolled out and there's like an end in sight and he's still really little. So he like won't remember it. And um, you know, he didn't have to stay home for like his, you know, first year of life or, or even like the kids who are like a bit older, like three, four, five, and um, you know, socializing and and having school that's so important to them and missing that. So it's one way to look at it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that you know, on the one hand, I'm, I'm I'm sure experiencing your your entire pregnancy in the pandemic was extremely stressful. You know, I, I think I was yes. in some ways lucky because, you know, I, I only had that toward the end of my pregnancy, but like you said, at the same time, then that kind of means your baby experiences less of it. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. Too. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure it was, it was good for you because you got to stay home with the baby where you're safe and you mm-hmm. get to watch him all the time and everything was fine. Yeah. For me, it was super hard because I kept second guessing everything I was doing. Like right. I'm the one carrying him. And feeling either guilty about doing something or not doing something all the time. And yeah, it was very stressful. Well, and your husband is an essential worker. So I'm sure that was kind of stressful too, because he's coming and going all the time. Yeah, that was super stressful as well, especially in the beginning when, you know, we were extra cautious, like him taking off his clothes as soon as he got in the door and putting them in the washer and like hosing himself down in the shower. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean that was extremely stressful. Um, cause yeah, he had to continue to work obviously the whole time mm-hmm. at the height of the pandemic when people were getting sick. So yeah. And he got the vaccine. He was one of the first people in this area to get it, I think because of his job. So feel lucky about that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. How did he mm-hmm. feel with the vaccine? Um, good. He, so Um, he got the first shot. I'm trying to remember when I know the second shot was literally like a day after or two days after Alonzo was born. So I guess early January. And then, um, so he didn't have any symptoms or anything until the second shot. He said he kind of felt like he had chills and like a headache and stuff like that following the, for the 24 Mm -hmm. hours after, I don't think he had a fever, but you know, it's also, I was like, well, we just had a baby, we had a newborn and like, we were like sleeping like one hour at a time. So <laughs> are you sure? It's like, it could be from, it could be from sleep deprivation. It could be from the yeah. vaccine, who knows? But I mean, it subsided like 24 hours later and he was fine. Right. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it's definitely really, really, really great that, that at least he has the vaccine now. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel happy and lucky that he was able to get that. And can, so he's obviously continuing to work now and mm-hmm. he's safe. So that's good. Yeah. Um, so do you want to backtrack a little bit and tell us your birth story? Cause I'd love to hear sure. it. Yes. Um, my due date was January 26th, but I didn't make it to that date. I, um, <laughs> it was January 17th. I actually did a workout that day. Um, it was a Sunday and like obviously a scaled workout, um, nothing crazy because I was at the end of my pregnancy, but 
I had been feeling like weird that day after the workout. Um, and I was like laying on the couch that evening and I'm like, I just feel like weird. Like something was off and I was like super tired and I had been, I slept like, I don't know, eight, eight plus hours, like the night before. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's no reason. No re- well, I mean, there's not no reason because you're, you're always tired when you're pregnant, but mm-hmm. I just felt like, I'm like, I was well rested. Like I shouldn't be so exhausted. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't, I couldn't help but think of my sister telling me her experience with giving birth to one of her sons and how like looking back, she kind of knew that labor was coming because she had like a little bit of anxiety um, the day before or the like afternoon before she went into labor and um, she kind of fell off and weird. So I was like thinking of that, I was thinking of her telling me that when at this time I'm like, and I even text her and I said, I feel kind of weird. And she was like, oh my gosh, is it happening? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not I, like, I was like, I don't have contractions or anything. Like I feel completely fine down there. Like I just feel like kind of anxious and weird. And I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, I'm just probably overthinking it. Um, and I honestly mm-hmm. had never had any like Braxton Hicks or any type of like leakage or any like indication that anything happening down there. So I just was like, Oh, it's probably nothing. Mm-hmm. So I went to bed and I woke up around 6am and went to the bathroom and I was feeling stuff then. So I felt like a contraction. It was a contraction and I didn't, I didn't know at the time, but I, th- I just felt like I had to poop and I thought that's what was happening. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, that's painful. Like, but it was like very brief and it went away. And I was like, oh, I'm going to lay back down for a little. So I like laid back down for like an hour and then it happened again. And I like got up again, the same kind of feeling like a tightening and like a contraction obviously. And, mm-hmm. but if it's still like confusing me, I'm like, maybe I have to poop. Like I kept thinking like, is this poop? Is this labor? Is this just like I ate something weird last night? I think I had pizza like the night before. Um, but no. And then it kept happening kind of like once an hour at that point. And it was like pretty, a pretty severe type of like stomach contraction thingy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is like much harder and stronger than like a poop contraction. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I like text my sister and I'm like, Hey, uh, so I think I'm like, in labor (laughs) and she was like oh my god what she like called me and like asked me all these questions of course um my sister's a pa so she's very medical minded Mm -hmm. and um i was like yeah so i think i'm like in early labor and i like told her what was happening and she was and she was like yeah that sounds like what's happening and i was like i knew it like yesterday i was feeling so weird and then like the following day this was happening so i was like okay um And she said, like, you know, there's no, it might be a while. So don't get all like, you know, excited or anything. I might, you know, (laughs) might take a, take a number of hours, which I had heard from everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, not, you know, like running around the house, like crazy, like, or anything. Cause I knew I was like, Oh, I might be here laboring for like the whole day. So who knows? Um, So I wasn't like freaking out or anything. I was actually like pretty calm. <laughs> and, and like, I kept having those contractions that were like every hour at first and then every like 30 minutes kind of, and like not super painful at first, obviously. Um, but they were getting more frequent. And I actually went on my computer and had to do some work. I had work, I'd been working obviously up till the point that I was in labor and 
had planned on working that whole week because this was um, week 38 of my pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. This was on a Monday and on Tuesday I, I would have turned 39 weeks. Um, and I was doing work I, on my computer, like the, the morning from like nine to like 1130, I would say. Wow. And, um, at that point I, I told my, I like messaged my boss. I was like, Hey, like, I think I'm in labor. <laughs> so I'm just going <laughs> to finish up this, this work thing. And then I'm going to like sign off. <laughs> um, which is funny. They were like happy for me and I'm like, okay. Yeah. And so, yeah. So at that point, obviously the contraction started getting more frequent and stronger and like, I remember when I finally like logged off my computer, I like couldn't really like work anymore. I couldn't like stare at the screen and like actually like mm-hmm. do anything because it was, they were coming too frequently mm-hmm. um, and getting too painful. And I had to like, kind of like stop every time one came and kind of like breathe through it. Or like I got my like birthing ball out and it was like bouncing on that. Um, and at this, around the same time when I was like signing off my computer, fur came out and he actually had off work that day. Um, but he had been sleeping in. So I let him sleep and he came out and I was like, Hey, so I'm in labor. <laughs> and he was like, Oh my God. And then he was like freaking out. Uh, like, you know, I would say like the office meme when they're like, it's, there's like a, they're like, Oh my God, it's happening. Like the fire. <laughs> yeah. And he's yeah. like, run, he was running around. Like, he's like, Oh, let me take a shower and get, get the bag ready. And like, I had every, mostly everything in the bag. There were a few things that were, that we needed to put into the uh, hospital bag. Mm-hmm. So he did that. And I was just like, you know, trying to figure out if I could make it through these contractions <laughs> and when I should call the doctor. Oh, so then I called the doctor around, I think it was like probably like 2 PM at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause that, that my contractions were finally close enough together. So I called them and of course they asked me all the questions and I told them and they were like, Hey, sounds like you're ready to go to the hospital. Um, and that like, as far as like my labor progressing, I think as, uh, just because the contractions were getting closer together and more painful and stronger and everything. Um, I, I had every reason to believe I was like in legitimate labor and not like, you know, fake labor or, mm-hmm. Braxton Higgs or anything like that. So we went to the hospital. Um, we got checked in there and, um, we went to triage first, obviously. And then they got us a room. And during this time, like my sister was driving over from, um, her side of Florida where she lives in Cooper city. Mm. So I was like, I was like, better hurry up. I don't know what's going to happen. Like (laughs) how soon this baby's coming. Um, and oh, and the other thing is obviously with the pandemic, we, could only still have two support people. I can only have two support people in the hospital here in Cape Coral. Mm -hmm. And so my plan was to have my sister and fur and, but my mom had come over to help me like when I was laboring and um, I was like, okay, well, like, I think you can come to the hospital with us. Um, before my sister gets here. Cause my sister wasn't going to get there for a little while. She had to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a two hour drive. And right. so when we got to the hospital, of course, where I asked the people that at the hospital, can my mom come in? And then when my sister gets here, she leaves and my sister comes in they're like, no, no, it has to be the same support people the whole time. Oh, wow. And I was like really annoyed by that. Yeah. It's so stupid. I'm like, what is the point? <laughs> like, like, I don't understand it. Why can't one just fill in for the other as long as there's two? That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a little bit disappointing because I had to like basically send my mom home. She came to the hospital and then I like had to text her like, 
okay, you're, you can't come in. So like Uh go sit at home. Yeah. So that was a little disappointing. Um, but I mean, I couldn't really think about that at the time, but, um, yeah, so I was laboring there at the hospital more and again, increasing the contraction, getting increasingly more uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. painful and stronger. And, um, my plan had always been to get an epidural and I Mm -hmm. spoke with the doctor that was on call, which was not my OB, but, um, he, and I told him like my plan and my other part of my plan was that I didn't want to get any like pain medication other than the epidural, mm-hmm. like beforehand, they normally give you some pain medication and that went out the window very quickly oh. <laughs> because I was in so much pain. Um, so they gave me a little bit of pain meds before that. I mean, I do, I was laboring obviously all day and then a few hours at the hospital, then they gave me some pain meds. Which, I mean, to be honest, I feel like didn't do much because everything was progressing and mm-hmm. it was still very, very uncomfortable and very painful. Um, and then my sister got to the hospital around 530. Um, I think I got my epidural around, I want to say 730 p.m. Mm-hmm. around then. Um, and like the doctor had told me, if you can uh, labor as much as you can without getting the epidural, because that's what works best. And Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gonna do it. And like, I literally feel like I waited to the last possible second (laughs) of my pain threshold. And then at that point, I was like, where's the epidural? I need it now. I'm leaving. I can't do this. I'm done. I'm like, this is horrible. I'm in so much pain, you know, all the things. Mm -hmm. Um, So they finally gave me my epidural. And obviously, that was life changing. (laughs) Anybody that's had one knows, you can like relax for a little and um, like, I don't know. I just felt like I was a new person for a little bit there. I got to like relax and watch TV for a little bit. Um, and then, um, not long after that, they said I was ready to push. So like when I got to the hospital, I was, I think four centimeters dilated and then everything was progressing as it should. Oh, I think I forgot Mm -hmm. to say my water broke around 5 PM, um, naturally on its own, like as I was laboring in the hospital, Mm -hmm. So that was good. Um, Yeah. So at that point, after the epidural and like it working its magic for a while, I was able to start pushing. And that was like around 11 p.m. at this point. And Mm. I think I only pushed for around 45 minutes. And then he was out. There was one point um, where his heart rate dropped before he got out. um, And they had me flip over onto all fours. And oh, wow. yeah, it was. And then like they rushed in like a lot of nurses and it was like kind of scary. Oh, and, um, I don't know why that happened exactly, but, um, yeah, they were like, Oh, it's sorry to scare you. Like he's fine. Everything's fine. And like when mm-hmm. they had to put the little, um, electrode that's like on his head, like they can do from the outside mm-hmm. to monitor him to make sure he was okay oh, after that. But yeah, it was scary. Um, but yeah, they were like, they didn't mean to scare you. Everything's fine. Like, but we have to like, I guess it's protocol to like, I don't know. My sister knows all the medical terms, but she was like telling me, it's like when they get a message like that, the nurses come running in, mm. make sure everything's okay. Or if they have to like do something fast, like if, it, right. if they had to do a C-section or something. Um, so obviously nothing happened after that and it was okay. Um, and then I pushed him out and it was awesome. They let me look, they let me use a mirror to look down there while I was pushing. 
Oh, wow. And, yeah. And I wasn't, I, I was like, not, I didn't think I would be interested in doing that, but I was mm-hmm. like in the moment. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I want to see what's happening. Um, yeah. And then I told you about the um, short umbilical cord story, which is so interesting to me. And the reason that, that like came about too, was because when they lifted Alonzo up to like give to me to hug with the umbilical cord still attached, I like was pulling it and they were like, don't pull it. Don't pull so hard because it's really short. Oh, uh, so that's like wow. kind of how it came up. And I was like, Oh, so hmm. it was, that was super interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fur cut the umbilical cord Aww. and yeah. And it was so amazing to see his little face. Like for the first time, I am sure you know how that feels. Yeah. After you're like imagining it for nine months and like wondering what the heck he's going to look like. <laughs> so it was very overwhelming and wonderful and yeah, a very spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. Did you feel, how did you feel in that moment? Like, did you have a rush of love or, or excitement or scared, like, or all of the above? Yeah, all of the above. I think I, <laughs> I think I was overcome with emotion. I was like crying my eyes out. Fur was mm-hmm. crying. My sister was crying. Like, um, um, it was just amazing. It was amazing. It's amazing to me still. I still look at him and I'm like, wait, did that really happen? Like I gave birth him and he came out of my mm. vagina and like I don't like I, I still it's still like really surreal mm-hmm. I think it was like a very surreal moment but I mean I was like happy and like my heart was bursting and also just like so much like I've been through I had been through so much like the pregnancy the anxiety the miscarriage before that um mm-hmm. I lost my dad when I was seven months pregnant so I think it was like a lot of emotions in that moment mm-hmm. and just so happy to like see his little face. Yeah. 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 I'm sure. Yeah. That, uh, it sounds like a pretty good labor though. I mean, you know, with the exception of all the pandemic craziness. Yes. Yeah. I have to say um, it went kind of like best case scenario. I think for me, mm-hmm. um, I got to do what I wanted in terms of like laboring mostly at home and then having the epidural and everything progressed kind of on track. And I didn't, you know, wasn't one of those horror stories where you're in labor for like 24 hours or very mm-hmm. long labors. My sister had some very long labors. Um, and oh. um, I think I lucked out in that sense. And um, it's funny because everyone always says like, Oh, he'll come when he's ready. Or, you know, they always say that they'll come when they're mm-hmm. ready. <laughs> like they know how to get out and like, whatever. And I'm like, okay. And, and I guess they were right. Like, um, yeah. that's exactly what happened. He came like a week and a day before his due date, like early. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was ready and he just came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, it's funny. I was joking with Adam the other day, like, you know, the, they have to come out like there's only there's only right. the one way out really you know if you're lucky hopefully and, and there's no obviously there's no issues and you have to do a c-section but you know maybe they don't just stay in there they just they got to come out and and it happens yeah. yeah and i think i was having some like like uh, people were like oh are you ready like mm-hmm. obviously in the last weeks of my pregnancy and i'm like i'm not ready i'm like you know i was like i'm kind of content now being like this far along my pregnancy and like just waiting (laughs) because i was so kind of terrified of taking care of a newborn and like learning all this new stuff and having no idea what the heck i'm doing 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really nervous about that. So I was like, not, I was like, I'm not ready. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's probably why he came with like no morning and like <laughs> a week and a, a week and a day early. And mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, he's probably like, all right, well, mom's not ready, but I am. So let's go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how was it then when you actually brought him home? You know, I mean, you didn't feel ready, but how'd it go? Um, it was intense. Yeah. <laughs> it was intense. Um, well, so <laughs> this is, this is funny. Burr and I were like in the hospital room, like when they told us that we could go home and we had like the car mm-hmm. seat, we were in that hospital room, like watching the YouTube video on how to strap the baby into the car seat like <laughs> seven times because we wanted to make sure we had him in there correctly. Mm-hmm. I swear it took us like 25 minutes to strap him in. And it's like, we, <laughs> we pra- tried to practice beforehand, but mm-hmm. um, it wasn't like the same, obviously when you actually have the little person <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing I missed out on because of the pandemic were like breastfeeding classes and, um, like parenting classes. I took some online stuff and Mm -hmm. read a lot of stuff, but didn't get to do obviously anything in person. Right. Um, which I would have liked to. Um, so yeah, bringing him home, it was, it was overwhelming and like very intense. I, I, um, obviously was learning how to breastfeed and not sure, like, if I was doing it right. And then like, actually, um, the second day he was home with us or he was like sleeping all day and not like Mm -hmm. waking up to eat. And I didn't like know if that was normal. And I just like, you know, didn't know. And Mm -hmm. my sister was obviously helping me and she was like, okay, well, like if he's not waking up to eat, you have to, you have to wake him up to eat. And if he's, Oh, the other part of that was like, he wasn't like latching on when I got home. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, he's not waking up and he's not latching on or he'll fall asleep on the boob and not like want to eat. And mm-hmm. I'm, I was like, just letting him sleep. And she's like, no, like he needs to eat. Right. And she was, she was like, if he's not like latching, then you need to give him a bottle of formula. So we had mm-hmm. like on the this second or third day, we gave him like one bottle of formula and then he was good and fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, I felt like, you know, I didn't know what was going on and, um, I wanted to breastfeed and everything. And obviously, uh, my milk was coming in at that same time. And I actually was even messaging you like, I'm in so much pain. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I was in pain from like the milk coming in. I, oh, I also had this problem with my breast pump. Um, so we of course got new insurance through Fur's work. Um, mm-hmm. at the start of the year, January first, my baby was born on January eighteenth, and so I had went through one of the websites, Edge Park or whatever it is, or, um, mm-hmm. back in I don't know November or something to like reserve my breast pump and have it ready. And back then, I right. had we had United Health Insurance, and they. We're like, oh, we send the breast pump a month before your due date. I'm like, okay, great. So everything was like set up. And then um, like I got this new insurance and they told me that they couldn't send my breast pump until after the baby was born. <laughs> so yeah. I had like, I'm like, well, I know, I'll never understand why they never sent it uh, like the month before because it, that would have mm-hmm. been like the week after Christmas and I still had the old insurance, but whatever. I don't know why they didn't, but they were trying to put it through 
with the new insurance and um, they had said, you know, every insurance company does it differently. And so Florida blue was like, Oh, we don't send um, the pumps until after you give birth. So once you give birth, call us and we'll send it. I'm like, what? Like I'll have time to do that. Like with giving birth and taking care of the baby. Yes, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. So I did, I had to do that. Like called them like a day after we got home or something. Obviously I didn't call them from the hospital, but I probably should have. Mm -hmm. Um, So it took like another, I don't know, seven to 10 days for them to, to send the pump and like fill the script. Um, And meanwhile, my, my breasts are hurting and my milk's coming in and I'm in pain. Mm-hmm. The baby's not latching. And I like wanted to give him the breast milk. So I sent like her out to get a pump from target, which like all they had was like a little, like one-sided electric pump. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had used that and like, obviously it helped with like draining my breasts, which is great. And then, giving the milk to the baby. And then as far as the latching situation, I actually have a lactation consultant named Annie who follows me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And she like had offered me help a few times. So I contacted her and I'm like, Hey, I think I need help. Um, Like the baby's not like latching on right. Or when he does, he falls asleep. So anyway, like this is why it was so overwhelming when we got home. Like I had to deal with all of these things, like troubleshooting, breastfeeding, troubleshooting the pump, um, just trying to figure out like how often he should be eating and how. Um, so I was able to connect with Annie and she met with us on FaceTime and she like gave us a whole review of um how it works and what I can do better and how even like bottles that I can pick that are similar to how the breast um, puts out milk so that he doesn't like get confused. Um, So that was really helpful. Mm -hmm. And um, he finally started to latch very soon after that um, and eating normally. So I was able to continue breastfeeding. So that was good. And um, I, I got on a regular pumping schedule. I can't even remember like how much I was pumping there in the beginning, but in the beginning, I just wanted like to find a happy medium between like pumping, feeding and like my breasts feeling okay because they were feeling very engorged and not okay. Mm-hmm. But luckily we, we are now two months later and I feel like we're in a good rhythm. So, um, that was good. But, and then of course we were like not sleeping much and obviously figuring out where and how a baby should sleep when they first get home is so difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was really stressful because we had like a bassinet and he didn't want to sleep in there. And then I was like sleeping with him on the couch and he was in his boppy and you're not supposed to let babies sleep in a boppy and like, or, and his swing. And I was getting like an hour of sleep at night. And so that was really stressful. So, I mean, I think it was like a lot of like navigating, you know, all these things. Like I had no idea Mm -hmm. what to do and, how to go about things. And I obviously asked a lot of questions to my other mom friends and my sister Mm. and fur was willing to do a lot of night feeding with him with the pumped milk, which is awesome. And that helped Mm. me out a lot. And he was off of work for a month. Um, so that really helped as well. Yeah. That allowed me to sleep and stuff. And, and like now I think we're in a really good rhythm and he's sleeping a lot at night and, um, 
only waking up once to eat or maybe twice. So mm-hmm. that's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was in addition to all that, that's like baby related stuff. So I would just switch gears and talk about postpartum mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, that's its own beast. And I think for me, it is that was really difficult and still mm-hmm. is. And it's like, I think a continuous journey that I'm going to be on for a while, like mm-hmm. a lot of women. Um, I think like, number one, my body is completely different. I think like I, with everybody, my body is completely different. Just went through like a trauma. Um, it looks different. It feels different. And then obviously in the first few weeks I was, you know, taking care of like my own, changing my own diapers, as they say, as well as the, ba- <laughs> yes. as well as the babies. And like, that's mm-hmm. painful and hard and like you're hemorrhaging and listening to the baby scream and that it is like and that's why it's so overwhelming and intense mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. there's just so much going on and like your body is like in shambles yet yeah. and there's this little person depending on you <laughs> at the same mm-hmm. time so yeah it's been that's been a, a journey um emotionally i think i was very up and down my hormones were obviously um going up and down and and I mean, I think they still are in a way. I think I've leveled mm-hmm. out a lot, but it's it's intense. And I think even now it's it's hard. Like you're never alone. Um, your your me time is like not your me time anymore. And if you do get mm-hmm. me time, it's still kind of stressful because, um, you know, you might he- hear your baby cry in the other, other room like right now. I just heard my baby cry about a few minutes ago <laughs> and I'm like, Oh man, like what's happening? Is he okay? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. does he need to eat? Um, you know, so just like feeling guilty about that kind of stuff or like any time I have for myself, I feel like I'm still constantly thinking about what he's doing or what, what the person is mm-hmm. doing that's taking care of him, which is generally just her or my mom mm-hmm. right now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been tough. And then of course going back to work as well, it's part of that. And, um, it's been difficult. It has not been easy. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything you said is just so much of like the typical birth experience really. And, and I don't mean that like in a bad way, it's just like how it goes. And, you know, especially when you were talking about like figuring out sleep and the breastfeeding so much of that, it just reminded me of like, it's so stressful. Like you, you know, even, you know, I mean, I took, you know, I did take a breastfeeding class in person and I did take like a baby care class in person where they taught us, you know, how to like wash them and and change the diapers, you know, and like that kind of stuff. But it kind of doesn't matter how many classes you take because you don't really know until you're in it. And, you know, and, um, you know, and, and what you said about Alonzo, like not wanting to really sleep in the bassinet, like, you know, even if, if you think you're like a master at, you know, whatever um your baby also has their own personality and and like even even so little it feels like they have their own kind of like opinions and quirks and and likes and dislikes and it's it is very like tricky um you know it's something i've actually heard on this podcast and just like in conversations with friends who have more than one baby that sometimes like it's tricky because no matter how like prepared you were for a second child like there's something is still going to throw you off Right. Like, because there's, you know, maybe they'll have a different sleep schedule or maybe they'll be fussier or, or maybe they'll be calmer, like whatever it is. Um, 
it's always like different and um yeah it's just like so much of it is just figuring it out it's funny as you were talking i was like having like these visceral flashbacks to the first month like you almost yes i don't know maybe it's because like this point like you know rio is going to be a year old in like six days and um i i just like I almost forget all of this stuff, like all the stuff you're talking about, but as yeah. you're talking about it, I'm just like, Oh, right. There's like, like that and the sleep and like, yeah, like, like him sleeping on the couch. Or like, I mean, to be honest, like Rio slept in a swing a lot, like even though mm -hmm. he was not supposed to. And, you know, because I was just like one of the places that he would actually sleep, you know, right. Exactly. And, you know, it was just like so tricky and all that. And um, yeah. And at the same time, like you, it does kind of, I feel like these memories do kind of fade, but they're still like so present at the same time. Like this is such a big transformative time. Um, and what you said about the postpartum body, um, I just wanted to tell you this thing that, that someone said, I think just like someone I follow online, I can't remember who to be honest, but they said, um, your body is, always going to be a postpartum body because like your body is postpartum, you know, like you have now given birth and grown a human and, you know, you're, I mean, you, you could get your body, you know, get your body back or whatever, as they say, or have like uh, a new, you know, like ha have a new body or, or whatever. Um, you know, like <laughs> to be honest, like I think often of like JLo and like the things she like when I see her dance and stuff like at the Super Bowl last year, I'm just like, this is ridiculous. She's like 51 years old and like had twins. And how does she freaking have those abs? You know? Yeah. But, um, but at the same time, like, you know, us, I guess, normal human humans, um, mm -hmm. you know, we're just, we're always going to be postpartum. Like there is no really being yeah. back to your body, not having experienced that. E even if your body looks different, like it's always going to be, there it's always going to like remember what it went through yeah it's i've been working with a a coach that's helping me rehab like pelvic floor and um mm -hmm. core and get back to crossfit and she's also certified in crossfit and pregnancy and postpartum athleticism and yeah and one of the things that they say is like postpartum is forever which is basically mm -hmm. the same thing that you were saying yeah. Um, and I never thought of it like that because I always, well, I didn't know much about it. Plus, I always, I'm only ever heard like, oh, I'm eight weeks postpartum or I'm mm -hmm. this many months or whatever. But yeah, it's like your body doesn't go back to the way it was before. It might get mm -hmm. back into shape or like, you know, you might lose or gain weight, but it's, you're always postpartum, like you're postpartum forever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, yeah I mean, that was like such a epiphany mm -hmm. for me. Um, mm -hmm. And it's been hard to accept, to be honest, like I am really into fitness. And I have um, been doing CrossFit for the last several years, six years now, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and number one, like having to take my time getting back to fitness is so tough for me, because mentally, I would just want to like jump back in and like, go hard mm -hmm. and do all these hard workouts and like lift the weights mm -hmm. I was lifting before. And I just can't do that. And it's not smart, obviously. Um, it's not the healthiest thing for me. Um, and, you know, and that's, that's mental and physical, obviously, physically, I was really proud of the way I looked before I worked really hard, 
to get to that point. Um, mm-hmm. And so now I'm like kind of like at the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, so I, I really have to be careful with like how I talk to myself and like, you know, like thinking about my body in a certain way or like thinking I don't like the way it looks right now right. And, right. and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's like a, a double-edged sword because I mean, m- like fitness, I need it like mentally as a coping mechanism for being mm-hmm. in recovery and like to help with my mental health. And also it like provided me with, um, you know, a body that I was comfortable in and felt really proud of. And now mm-hmm. like, first of all, you can't even work out for six weeks. Um, yeah. that's, that's the minimum. And some people need more time than that. And so just six weeks of doing nothing in addition to, well, not nothing. I, I did go on walks and stuff so, and that's not mm-hmm. nothing. Um, but you know, not doing the hard working out that I'm used to. Plus being in the postpartum spectrum of, of feeling anxious and depressed and also taking Mm -hmm. care of a newborn and learning all this stuff for the first time. It is, it is a lot. And I have to mention that also feeling like the grief that I've been feeling about my dad, because that, you know, also plays into everything. And I think there's grief around the body I had before. And I think there's grief around the life I had before, um, the mm-hmm. baby. So it's, uh, there's been a lot of grief, I think. And I think that's normal in some aspects. I don't think everybody loses a parent when they're pregnant, but, um, definitely like we all have different lives and bodies afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, what you were saying before too, about like the hormones, like they're all, they're also probably making a lot of these feelings, even more intense than Mm -hmm. they would have been before. And, um, you know, I feel like the, the hormone shifts really last throughout like the first year. Um, and even longer if you decide to breastfeed, because I think the, when you stop breastfeeding, you know, like I did, um, back in January, like there's another like huge hormone dump. And, and so that actually does keep kind of going in shifts. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely intense. I wanted to, well, you actually just touched on two really big topics that I wanted to make sure we talked about um the first of which was your recovery because i know that you know as you mentioned fitness and self-care is such a huge part of staying sober for you so i wanted to kind of like talk about how you know you've been dealing with that and how you've been able to you know sneak in self-care where you can obviously um you know as you said it's it's harder now because there is sort of like that just like not able to mentally shift away from being a mom, right? Like our minds are always on our babies, even when we have time away from them. Um, But I also, you know, I also really wanted to talk about your, your dad and and the grief of that, because I, you know, one, I'm I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. I I honestly can't even imagine, but, you know, I I do think there is a lot of grief that people feel, um, during pregnancy for, for whatever reason. And, and I feel like you've really been dealt quite a, quite a soccer punch of, of grief. Um, yeah. but if you're comfortable, I'd love to hear just like how that's been going. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's been intense and I wonder, I have, I can't help but wonder like what it would have would be like for me, like during obviously the, my end of my pregnancy and now if I wasn't dealing with the grief of my dad passing, like, would it be different? Would I feel less like sad, um, frequently, Mm -hmm. like less frequently than I do. I think everybody deals with a, an amount of grief in postpartum and obviously there's postpartum depression and 
everything. And I, I always like tend to compare, like, is this, is this postpartum emotions that I'm dealing with, or is this grief from my dad or both? So it's all mm-hmm. like wrapped up together. So I think it's like, mm-hmm. that's what makes it like doubly intense. Um, and for anybody that's listening that maybe doesn't know, um, I'll just quickly say that my dad died unexpectedly, um, actually the week before my baby shower in November of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, he was 68, healthy, um, lived here in Cape Coral with my mom and he had a heart attack and didn't have any prior indicators that that was an mm-hmm. issue or would be. And so it was very shocking to all of us and obviously um, very sad. And um, yeah, and I was seven months pregnant at the time. So even more intense um, there. And I don't know, I think, I think I have just been riding the roller coaster of grief. I don't think mm-hmm. there's anything like else I can do. Um, I, the, the day that I found out that it happened, I was literally scared that I was scared for the baby because I was so like, obviously sh- like riddled with shock and <sighs> just like, you know, taken aback because obviously it's shocking and I just like my heart dropped and you know physically I was like oh my gosh I hope by this shock to my system doesn't obviously hurt the baby and he was fine but I I was worried about that too Um, and also that increased my anxiety because I already had anxiety about the baby and I'm like oh my gosh like if my dad can just die out of nowhere Mm. Like why, who's to say it can't happen to the baby. Mm -hmm. So I had been really like freaked out about that. And I mean, I think that's obviously a normal thing to think and feel after like a loved one suddenly passes, like you're, you're kind of like met with mortality and your, your own and like the people around you or like anything could happen at any moment Mm -hmm. and you'll never like really be ready for it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like dealing with my grief, I, I just kind of like let it happen. I don't know if there's anything else I can do. I have been searching for like, you know, more ways to like express it and deal with Mm -hmm. it in a healthy manner. Um, and I've been reading some books and like following some new people and pages on Instagram. And like um, one woman in particular named Shelby Forsythia, she has a few books. Permission to Grieve is one. And um, she also uh, has like a Patreon um, account where she like offers workshops and like monthly grief support calls. And actually she has one um, next Monday night. So I plan on joining that. Um, I definitely felt like, yeah, I definitely felt like I needed to find like grief specific stuff, um, Mm -hmm. to help me deal with it. Obviously I'm in recovery from alcohol and drugs. And so I'm no stranger to like recovering and like dealing with that, this kind of like pain. Um, and I also, um, go to like, she recovers has digital meetings gatherings they call them 
And those are every day. So I definitely hopped on a few of those. I know like the day, day after my dad died, I hopped on one of those and just like cried and it was able to like let out what I was thinking and feeling to that group and that community, mm-hmm. which is invaluable. Um, and you know, they just started those digital <laughs> meetings because of the pandemic. So that right, right. was good for me at the time. Um, and I have been meeting with my therapist who I've been seeing for four years now, but she switched to um, virtual as well mm-hmm. during the pandemic. And we're still meeting virtually. And um, so that's really how I've been dealing with it. But I have to say there are just some days where it's like, it comes out of nowhere and it hits you like a truck. Like mm-hmm. for, I don't know, seem if I keep saying for no reason, but obviously there is a reason but it feels like for no reason, like on a regular day, I'll just wake up and I'll just be like overcome with grief and sadness. And I'll go through the whole cycle of emotions again. Like I'm angry that it happened. I miss my dad. I miss everything about him. I like struggle to like feel connected to him. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder if I'm doing enough to like preserve his memory, like all these things. Um, And like, I'm just sad. So I, I think I have to like allow myself to feel those things and have days like that. And it can be really painful. (laughs) And like, obviously our first inclination is to like not feel pain. Like I don't want to feel pain. It's not fun. (laughs) It's uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but that's what you have to do. And I think it's going to continue to be like that. And I, honestly have never done much grief work because I haven't had someone so close to me pass before this. So I'm learning a lot in like ways how grief manifests and, um, you know, just how to like move through it and how to not expect it to really ever go away. I mean, it's like grief is not something it's like you don't pass through the, the five stages and then like get over it. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's something that like is a part of you and will be, and it just, changes I think and you adapt to it and I think that also applies to the postpartum period and like the grief associated with that I mean I think it's been pretty difficult in my case because I'm grieving many different things Mm -hmm. um and I don't think uh, a normal person would have to do that and I hope nobody else has to do that um but yeah it's been it's been tough and so yeah. In ways I'm like also grieving. I think I already said this, but I'm also grieving like my body from before and like my life from before mm-hmm. where I could get up and run to Starbucks if I wanted or go to TJ Maxx or just do anything and go mm-hmm. to the gym at whatever time I wanted that I didn't have work. Um, and I really have to like plan ahead and think about things ahead of time. And I mean, right now I'm not even really like leaving the house much, which is hard too. And I mean, my baby's small, so I'm just not to the point where I'm doing that yet, but yeah, but yeah, it's tough for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, so much of what you're saying is, is this like incredible, powerful, multi-layered grief because, you know, there's obviously the grief of losing a parent, which is like its own absolutely terrible thing. Um, there's like the sort of, you know, I don't want to say normal, but like the, the expected, I guess, grief of becoming a new parent and all the things that you you're losing in your old life. Like you said, like not, you know, not be able to go to the store. Um, 
right. you know, just on a whim and that kind of thing. But then there's also like the the bigger grief of the pandemic, right? And just like the fact that you can't go to a lot of places, you know, more because of like that kind of safety. And, um, you know, there's like so many yeah. things to grieve. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm still like, even now, even though we're, again, like on the tail end of the pandemic, and hopefully things will be, I don't want to say back to normal, but, you know, somewhat mm-hmm. back to normal sometime soon. It's still like right now, I even I even second guess doing things. I'm like, well, I don't have my vaccine yet. Like, is it really worth me like mm-hmm. going somewhere and mm-hmm. doing something and possibly like bring something back to the baby or like, right. it's, you know, it's so I still have, and that's obviously what I, I felt during my entire pregnancy. So I'm still kind of like in that mindset a little bit, but I'm trying to like, you know, branch out a little and widen my views and kind of like, like, okay, well it may, it helps if it helps me and my mental health to do certain things that safely, like that's okay. And, mm-hmm. um, I think even, and I don't, I think this is a normal parent thing, but maybe not. But I, I was like nervous to leave the house with the baby by myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, at first. And I, I'm sure I, I would assume that that's normal, but like, you know, just like I, I have like anxiety of like, is he strapped into the car seat correctly? Mm-hmm. Like, um, like, you know, just driving with a baby is like nerve wracking. Cause like, what if you get in an accident or like, you know, right. all the things and, and like, I've made a first trip out like by myself when fur was on shift the other day and we actually went to the firehouse to see him and Aww. it went fine. Obviously and I was able to get him in and out of the car seat. Okay. But I have to say like when I got back to the driveway, I like couldn't remember the button to like release the car seat out of mm-hmm. the car. And I was like standing in the driveway for like 10 minutes trying to figure it out. <laughs> and then I finally like, figured out but I mean I was in my own driveway so it wasn't like the end of the world <laughs> I wasn't like at right. a store or whatever but I mean like yeah those things are stressful and it's like mm-hmm. learning how to move through the world with with him now um and always mm-hmm. thinking about him so yeah yeah I mean I I kind of joked that like I one of my self-care has always been like cooking and baking and, and because it's just like something that relaxes me and I love doing um and now it's like it's more stressful for some reason. Um, I mean, to be honest, like partially it's more stressful because I feel like I can't get a break because like, we don't feel great like ordering out right now. Um, even though we do it sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, I also like really used to love going to the grocery store and now like going to the grocery store is just such a nerve wracking thing. And like, Mm -hmm. I think that I, like I used to imagine going with my baby, you know, and like having fun, like, you know, doing this thing that I like and like showing him all the like produce and like, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, I, we obviously haven't done that because I just like, I, I barely feel safe going to the grocery store, much less taking my baby who, you know, yeah. can't wear a mask to the grocery yeah, store. Yeah, like, exactly. It's just like, yeah. so depressing and scary um, at the same time. Yeah, I've had the same thoughts about like going to Target, which has been my self care thing a few times <laughs> yeah. lately. And like the last time, I was like, "Well, I could take him," and mm-hmm. I'm like, "No, it's like you know, not really worth it, and it's just easier yeah. if he stays home and less of a risk, and I'll just yeah. go by myself." But but yeah, I have had the same thing. Like, oh, when I bring, when I, my baby can come to Target with me or wherever, mm-hmm. um, and you can I will say, things, but yeah. 
I will say you got out of the house by yourself with the baby a lot sooner than I did. I don't think I did it until Rio was like five months old. I want to say yeah. it was like, it was like August or something before I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the playground today and like went by myself. Yeah. And that was, well, that was more of the pandemic. So that's that true. Sense. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I even just like, and some days I almost like lately I've been feeling on some days that it's, feels like the start of the pandemic all over again, because for me, I'm home all the time, home with him. I work from home and like, I don't get out much obviously right now. So and some days I'm just like, Oh, I need to get out of the house. And I like walk to the park with him. um, That's near my house. And that's even, that's so nice just to do, just to Mm -hmm. get outside in the fresh air and stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Um, I also just wanted to say uh, something I just remembered from earlier in our, our conversation that I, you know, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I did want to say, you said something about how, you know, you can't, you haven't done anything for like the first six weeks. Um, and, you know, you're, you're not always proud of your body and stuff. And I just wanted to say like, I mean, you, you're keeping a human alive, so you're not, not doing anything. And, yes. yeah. you know, I also, and, and I struggled with this too, but I, I, I do hope you feel proud of your body for just like what it, has been able to do in like growing this tiny, adorable, you know, little baby and everything. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's maybe Thank not, you. it's, you know, it's maybe not the way we used to be proud of our bodies, but it's, it's, it's almost bigger in some sense, even though it changes us. Yeah. I think, thank you. And that's a great point. I think sometimes I forget or I just, I'm not used to framing it like that because mm-hmm. I am a n- new mom. And like, even saying that out loud to me sounds weird still. <laughs> I'm a new mom. I'm a new yeah. mom. Okay. Me, yeah. I'm a mom. <laughs> like yeah. that just still sounds like crazy no, for to sure. me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, yeah. And I think, I think our relationships to our bodies are very intricate as women. And mm-hmm. um, for me as someone in recovery from like sexual assault and trauma um, and, you know, honestly in recovery just from like blacking out all the time with alcohol and like literally Mm -hmm. not knowing what I was doing with my body. Um, so I think, Mm -hmm. I think there's a little bit of like depth to it there and then getting sober and like, okay, like I know what I'm doing with my body all the time now. And I like (laughs) have control of it and I'm proud of it and I feel connected and I feel safe in my body. Um, and I know that's like trauma related, but so it's, it's different now. And so I think I need to get, you know, just work on it and get to a place where I can be proud of it. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think you're right. I like, don't give myself enough credit sometimes. Like, yeah, he, I did do a really important thing and I like kept him safe during a pandemic in there yeah. and he came mm-hmm. out safely mm-hmm. and he's healthy. And so that's really important. Yeah. I mean, I think it takes time, honestly. Like I, I feel like you're way ahead of where I was in that sense, because I didn't like at two months postpartum, I don't even remember thinking about my body. Like I was just so deep in all the baby anxiety and, and just like dealing with the everyday that like, I, I don't think I really like started to truly think about myself until like six months or so. Um, yeah. you know, and only, and only in this new, in the, since the new year, um, sort of like, 
like coupled with giving up breastfeeding or rather real, like really weaning himself. Um, mm-hmm. That was when I started to really like think about how my body fits into like the clothing that I have um, because I kind of like, I had to go through this phase of buying new, new things really because oh, yeah. know, like, I mean, like I'll be honest for nine months while I was breastfeeding, I literally wore the same like couple pairs of shorts and like the same, you know, five breastfeeding tank tops like all day, every day. <laughs> and, you know, and, and then I had to go through this kind of like phase of like buying new clothing and, and buying clothing in a size bigger than I was used to. Yep. Um, yep. And, you know, and, and I kind of like, on the one hand, you know, and I still struggle with this, like, on the one hand, I, I made sure to buy myself like cute things and things I'd be comfortable in. Um, you know, but I sometimes think like, well, like, this shirt is really cute. But like, you know, if I like get thinner, and, or like lose the baby weight, like, uh, like, am I gonna miss, you know, not having this shirt? Or am I gonna like miss if I throw out you know, or donate rather, um, some of my smaller clothing, you know, like that's something I really struggle with, but I also don't want to be one of those people that just like hangs on to my old life and my old body for like years, you know? Yeah. So I, I totally feel that. And I mean, it's probably even too soon to me for me to be thinking of that, but I have been thinking about that a lot. I've been thinking about Mm -hmm. the fact that I feel like I didn't really know that I needed like three different wardrobes, like (laughs) pre-pregnancy and then maternity and then postpartum like you need a whole new Mm -hmm. wardrobe like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I even searched online like is there such thing as like postpartum clothing like do they make a (laughs) line of postpartum clothing where it's like you know loose fitting kind of you know Mm -hmm. something that complements us and how our bodies are right now couldn't find anything but I definitely have been in the same boat of like buying all new stuff because I don't fit into anything from before. And then all of my maternity stuff was like tight stuff. And I don't really want to be wearing tight stuff when I'm not pregnant anymore. Mm -hmm. Because people will probably still think I'm pregnant. Um, And so, yeah, it's been difficult for me. Like I've been getting a size up and everything as well. And I struggle with the same thing. I, I have a lot of clothes, obviously, I haven't worn in over a year and or almost mm-hmm. a year. And I'm like, should I get rid of this? Am I ever going to fit into this again? And then I get, it kind of like depresses me because I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> just like thinking about it. And then, then I try to stop because mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, it's too soon to kind of like tell. But but yeah, it's, it's, it's intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's comfort and like the breastfeeding thing. I had to buy... I bought so many different kinds of like nursing bras and some mm-hmm. are comfy and some are not and some are yeah. size large and they don't even fit me. And I'm just like, okay, I got to go yeah. another size up. Right. Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I remember buying, um, and I wish someone had t- would have told me, but like, yeah, I remember buying like maternity bras for the size that I was at. Like, yeah during like maybe my second trimester or something. And then, you know, in my third trimester, I gained some more weight and like, they didn't really fit me once I actually had to breastfeed. Right. Yes. So they, like didn't actually work. And I was like, Oh, well, someone could have maybe told me to like, at least wait on buying those. Ugh. Right, exactly. I think we're conditioned as women to obviously be disappointed when we don't fit into our clothes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that alone, like, even if it doesn't have to do with pregnancy, you know, I, I feel mm-hmm. disappointed and like depressed. And then, you know, it's like, just, 
I don't know for like, I feel like clothes for me are an accessory that I really enjoy and Mm -hmm. have fun, like picking out stuff and like feeling pretty and good in, in certain types of clothes. So like now Mm -hmm. it's like been really hard to find something where that makes me feel like that. And frankly, I can't even think of like anything that makes me feel good to like wear right now. Mm -hmm. High-waisted yoga pants, I guess. (laughs) So, Yeah. I mean, it takes, it takes a while and you're still so, I mean, you're still in the fourth trimester. So like, yeah, yeah, it's, it takes time. Um, You'll get there. I think, you know, and I do think that like, because fitness and exercise was such a big part of your like, you know, recovery from, from alcohol that you're probably feeling the postpartum body stuff, maybe even a little harder. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Well, so I don't want to keep you on too much longer, but do you want to tell us, um, you know, for folks that maybe didn't listen to the previous episode or, or they just, you know, maybe haven't followed you yet, although they yeah. should, um, just like a little bit about your work and where we can find you online. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm seven and a half years sober. And so I write a blog called The Sober Senorita and you can find it online at SoberSenorita.com. It doesn't have a little NEA thing um, above it just sober senorita.com and then on Instagram, the sober senorita and on Facebook, the sober senorita and on my blog, I just write about my life. And, you know, over the years it's gotten um, less about recovery and more about my life, but I mean, it's always tied up in recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, late, lately I've been writing about uh, my birth story, obviously, and about the grief that I've been experiencing with my dad. Um, mm-hmm. And, most of my followers say they can relate to everything that I write about. So if you're looking for something relatable, feel free to follow me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely would encourage people because, you know, now that you're early, you know, in your postpartum journey too, there's, there's a lot, um, you know, a lot that I relate to just like, like I said earlier, like just remembering those early days and, and yeah. everything. And, um, and, and I mean, we do have folks here that listen that are still pregnant or, or maybe, you know, yeah. like still trying to get pregnant. So, um, all right. So one last question, which I ask everyone, and I obviously asked you this before, but I'm sure your answer has changed, um, which yeah. is what is keeping you sane right now? Um, and this can be like a person or a product or like a routine, um, you know, any kind of like self-care stuff. Um, but yeah, just like what's keeping you sane? Um, I think what's keeping me the most sane right now is literally the park that I go to that you've met me at before when we mm-hmm. met in person recently. Um, just like being outside, like every time I feel like I'm drowning or the grief is too much or, mm-hmm anything is too much or I'm just, or I'm getting cabin fever from being in the house going outside and like going to that park is like a lifesaver. I just feel like I breathe in the fresh air and I'm like renewed. So Mm. that's just definitely my main thing right now. Yeah. I mean, just going outside in this past year, um, even though it can be scary a little bit sometimes it definitely, you know, I think we've all learned that nature really can have a healing effect on our minds and bodies. Yeah. And it's something that's, you know, free, literally all you have to do is walk outside. (laughs) Um, And for us like new moms where we can't necessarily go anywhere or do anything, I hope that everybody at least has like, I don't know, a space outside their door or a patio or Mm -hmm. a front stoop or something where they can like go and like breathe in there. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. Um, this was great. I absolutely loved, like, I mean, you know, 
we're friends in real life, so I've, I've heard a lot of this. But um, I don't know. This is a this was really intimate, and, and thank you so much for sharing so yeah, many parts of, of yourself and your journey. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. I appreciate it, and obviously, it's easy for me to talk to you because we are close in real life. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. absolutely love talking with Kelly. I mean, it was such a joy to connect with someone I know in this way. Um, to be honest, even though I'd read on her blog, her birth story, and of course I had gotten to see her in person, we never really talked quite as intimately and as deeply as we were able to talk about everything that happened in the past few months. Um, you know, hearing her story of grief and, and dealing with the death of her father, which is just so very tragic, but you know, not just that grief, just the grief of the pandemic and the grief of her postpartum body and all of it was just so touching and something that I think so many of us can relate to. You know, there's just like she says, that grief of, you know, your former life too, like not being able to just like jump in the car and go to Starbucks or go to Target. Um, it's all a lot and it's you know especially a lot right now in the pandemic when even if we wanted to do those things with our babies we can't because it just doesn't feel safe and um it's hard this this was a tough episode but i just absolutely loved hearing from kelly and her updates about little alonzo and how well they're doing despite all of the hardships that she's experienced in the past few months um I really hope that you were inspired by her story as I was. And I also hope that you will follow her on Instagram at the Sober Senorita. She talks a lot about her sober journey, recovery, um, and just basically everything that we talked about here. You know, her postpartum body, how she's getting back into exercise. And just, you know, if you want to see photos of her cute little baby, those are there too. All right. So as always, remember, you are not alone. Tune in next week for another honest conversation about the challenges and joys of being a pandemic mama. In the meantime, feel free to email me with your pandemic parenting questions at pandemicmamapod at gmail.com. Plus, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pandemicmamapod for more updates. Also, I would really appreciate your ratings and reviews. As a new podcast, this is one of the best ways to get the word out about these stories. So please scroll down in your favorite podcast app, rate us five stars, and share a comment. Thank you. Pandemic Mama is produced and hosted by me, Irina Gonzalez, with art by Kiara Coco, music by FM underscore free music on SoundCloud, and editing by the best of husbands and best of men. I'll talk to you soon. Stay sane and stay safe.